This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. And I am Tani Tanuvio, the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf. And very excited to be here with you today. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's been a little over a year since I was here. I am so excited. One of the things I love about this show is the getting ready for it. Whoops. And <laughs> so I am the elf, the technology challenged elf. And I'm always having to remind myself that technology is my friend. And our whole computer system has changed since I was last here. Oh my, how the time flies. But it is wonderful to be back here on the air at KUCI. I did a little music show over the summer, which was wonderful in the middle of the night. We elves love to be up in the middle of the night playing music and dancing. I'm going to play a little elvish music from The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Oh my goodness, how many years it's been. My life as an elf, over 10 years now. Let's hear from the Council of Elrond, and then we'll get rolling. I have some amazing announcements about exciting things coming up here on campus, and it's officially the first day of National Poetry Month, so we've got poetry readings and songs and all kinds of, and music, of course. I hope you will stay with me if you are listening in your car, or you can let your friends know. They can always listen to KUCI, streaming live through our website or through iTunes. Our website is www.kuci.org. And with that, let's get into a little music and get in the zone here. So a fitting place to start might be in Rivendell. What can I say but Elin Selalumin Amentielvo, a star shines on the hour of our meeting, KUCI in Irvine. <laughs> in Irvine, 88.9 FM, a new year of programming here on What Would Arwen Do with the Elf, that would be me, Tani Tenuviel, and this is the show What Would Arwen Do, Arwen Being the Elf Princess, who became the queen to King Elisar from the Lord of the Rings the world of Middle-earth, which was brought to us. J.R.R. Tolkien said that he didn't believe that he invented Middle-earth, only that he discovered it. And 
how grateful so many of us are. The discovery of this world of Middle Earth has changed, blessed, and transformed my life on so many levels over these past, let's see, that was in 2002, hmm, 13 years now of my little adventure. It actually started out as an experiment, turned into a grand adventure of my life as an elf, which is why I also am here at KUCI, because never would have occurred to me to get involved with radio. But that is a story for another time. If you are tuning in for the first time, I would greet you, my Govanin. And this is KUCI in Irvine broadcasting from the University of California at Irvine, Orange County's alternative radio station, and quite possibly the best radio station in the history of Middle Earth. And welcome. I will be here Wednesday mornings from 8 to 9 a.m. I am ecstatic about that because I just discovered that the show before mine is amazing, and I already knew that the show after mine was amazing. And I have a little information sheet here. Oh, please tell me I haven't already lost it. After What Would Arwen Do? at 9 a.m. is Writers on Writing with Barbara Namarco Barrett and various guest hosts. And just before me is a wonderful music show that used to be on from 4 to 6 a.m. during a safe harbor slot. Safe harbor, in case you don't know what that means, is a time from uh, midnight to 6 a.m. where you can play music that maybe has mm, a little bit of harsher language than is allowed during regular hours, which are not any hours that are not between 12 and 6 a.m. Oh, my dear friends, actually, I don't know why I should call them dear friends, but I think they're going to be dear friends, that I just met. I get so excited. I meet the most amazing people here being involved at KUCI. So I asked them to give me their full names and <laughs> information about their show so that I could mention on the air the importance of voting in the upcoming election for the student body here at UCI. And I will find it and I will make that announcement because I have several announcements even about an upcoming training where you can get involved here at KUCI. In the meantime, I don't want to do the shuffling papers music. <laughs> and in case you're wondering what this show is all about, well, let me sum it up from a little excerpt from a book called Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings, A Guide to Middle-Earth. Editor Colin Duriez wrote... In his invented mythology of Middle-earth, Tolkien intended that his elves were an extended metaphor of a key aspect of human nature. This, quote, elven quality in human life was a central preoccupation of Tolkien's. Elves, like dwarves, hobbits, and the like, 
partially represent human beings. In Tolkien's mythology, elves represent what is high and noble in humans. In particular, they represent the arts in their highest form, work done in the image of God and his created world. So, as a modern-day elf, I believe that this elven quality exists today in every living person, the image-bearers who roam the earth, and yearns for expression. So, I love things that promote creativity, a love for music and the arts and each other. If an elf lived today, what would she be concerned about? What would she be involved in? Sharing music and poetry and community and standing up for justice and what is right, caring for the planet. And my mandate from God, I'll be, oh my goodness, now she's getting mandates from God, but I do have a mandate from God, and that was this for this year, a threefold mandate, and that is to sing for the trees, speak for the animals, and dance for the earth. So you'll be hearing a bit of the sing for the trees a little bit later, a few weeks, I will, I'm actually learning to play the ukulele. My friend Ron Hernandez, who was on the show a couple of years ago, and uh, he has graciously lent me a cute little ukulele and is giving me lessons so that I can sing for the trees. And in speaking for the animals, I am an advocate for a cruelty-free diet and for caring for our animals and creature friends. Right now, this absolutely amazing angel woman that I live with, who's 83, we have, um, I live in her home, beautiful home, up in the trees, my little room. We have a family of raccoons in our chimney flue. Now, we didn't want to hurt them, and they're right at the bottom. So we did some research, talked to some people at Animal Control and Critter Finders, and uh, turns out that they're not making a mess in there, but the mother always looks for someplace safe to have the babies. And we can hear them in there chortling. And so they said to play loud music and put some pine saw there because they hate the smell of pine saw and they don't like loud music. It was suggested that the reason they came to stay in our chimney was because our house is relatively quiet. We don't have any little dogs running around or barking. And she and I are in and out and, you know, her kid, grandkids in and out and but it's pretty much quiet other than a few hours in the evening when she watches television. I mean, I play music, but it's up in my bedroom and it's, I don't, it's not blasting music. So we tried that, but we both felt really bad about, you know, blasting this music into this little creature's nest. And, and so she suggested, well, maybe it's okay. And it would have cost a few hundred dollars to have someone come out. And they were going to do the same thing, lower a radio down into the chimney and a sponge with some pine saw that would make the mother want to leave. And I said, well, can she get the babies out of there? And she said, yes. You know, as soon as the babies can walk, she would carry them to a different place that's more suitable. Well, right now they might not be able to walk. So... um, I am becoming a, I am a Christian, in case many of you know, I mean, not, sometimes I'm reluctant to say that. I love Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus, and I love to uh, encourage people to find a spiritual path. And 
I am becoming a Catholic Christian. Now, some people may be say, oh my gosh, are you kidding? Why would you be joining yourself to a religion that people are leaving en masse? Well, some people are actually joining. And for me, I jokingly tell my friends, it's all about the food, but it's not the food food. It's about um, Holy Communion and the fact that the Catholic Church has mass every day and the mass is all about Jesus. It's not about some, you know, a charismatic teacher's message of the week. So it's been a long, interesting journey that um, was partially started because of the woman I live with. I wanted to be able to take her to church if she ever became infirm. And I thought, since I've never been in a Catholic church, I should find out what it's all about. So I've been very mindfully and prayerfully on this journey now for um, of in- inquiry for a couple of years and now um, and finding myself in a whole amazing new family. So that also is a story for another time. But getting back to the raccoons, I thought, okay, who's the patron saint of animals? And you probably know St. Francis of Assisi. He used to preach to the birds and the creatures when he thought no one else would listen. And he loved the animals and wrote the a beautiful song, the canticle to Brother Sun and Sister Moon. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to call on St. Francis to come and help me encourage the raccoons to soon find another home and to leave everything intact. So that's what we're doing. Got little St. Francis there, a representative of him. Of course, he's in the timeless place with all the rest of the saints. But, you know, a little icon of him there to remind the raccoons, you know, and hopefully from that timeless place, he's speaking to them and saying, time, it's time to move on, little ones, and go out into the world. So in the meantime, we have this little chortling bunch of creatures that are in our chimney, and their little family music has almost become like a song. I'm going to try to record it and bring it in. You might enjoy it. So anyway, how time flies, we are almost to the half hour break. It is so wonderful to be back. The music that you heard at the very begin was from the Academy Award winning music of Howard Shore, um, the Fellowship of the Ring, and that was the Council at Elrond, transitioned into an amazing song I found, which will become part of my theme music here at What Would Arwen Do? And that is a remix It's a Lord of the Rings remix by someone named Chetrio, which I'm going to have to find who this person is. It says um, remix two of three, but I've only been able to find the first one. This one is from the Two Towers, and there's also another one from the Fellowship of the Ring, which I will play toward the end of the program. But this remix is made up entirely, everything is made up of sounds from the movie The Two Towers. So he says he published this on March 4th, 2012. This is in YouTube. This is a song based entirely on sound on sounds. It's, I mean, it includes some music, but from the movie uh, The Two Towers, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, and nothing else. So amazingly clever. I love it. And it helps us kind of update the music. I love the elves and Elves were very much into poetry and music, although I think Peter Jackson kind of characterized them as rather somber and 
um, almost like they were on, you know, drugs or something half the time, but they weren't. They were actually quite joyous, um, quite joyous in celebrating with music and song. So this is the month of poetry, and I thought it might be fitting to start with a poem read by J.R.R. Tolkien himself from one of my favorite stories. This is from The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, and this is from A Knife in the Dark, The Song of Berin and Luthien and Aragorn, or known to the hobbits at that time as Strider, because they have not actually become the Fellowship yet. And I believe this is up at Weathertop, just before the um, Nazgul show up. Amazing scene in the movie. Um, and so this is the song of Bryn and Luthien, which is kind of a parallel tale to the tale of Aragorn and Arwen. So I hope you will enjoy this in celebration of National Poetry Month this week. And next week we will be celebrating music in uh, poetry in several of its forms. And as always, I love to hear the voice of the professor. This is KUCI in Irvine. And the views and opinions expressed on this show are the views and opinions of the elf host and her guest when she has guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of KUCI, UCI, or the Board of Regents. And here's J.R.R. Tolkien. I will tell you the tale of Tinuviel, said Strider, in brief, for it is a long tale of which the end is not known. And there are none now except Elrond that remember it aright as it was told of old. He was silent for some time, and then he began not to speak, but to chant softly. The leaves were long, the grass was green, the hemlock umbels dull and fair, and in the glade a light was seen of stars in shadow shimmering. Tinuviel was dancing there them to music of a pipe and sea. The light of stars was in her hair and in her raiment glimmering. There Berin came from mountains cold and lost he wandered under leaves and where the elven river rolled he walked alone and sorrowing. He peered between the hemlock leaves and saw in wonder flowers of gold upon her mantle and her sleeves and her hair like shadow following. Enchantment healed his weary feet that over hills were doomed to roam, and forth he hastened, strong and fleet, and grasped at moonbeams glistening. Through woven woods in elven home she lightly fled on dancing feet, and left him lonely still to roam the silent forest listening. He heard there off the flying sound of feet as light as linden leaves, or music welling underground in hidden hollows quavering. Now withered lay the hemlock sheaves, and one by one, with sighing sound, whispering fell the beechen leaves in the wintry woodland, wavering. He sought her ever wandering far, where leaves of years were thickly strewn, by light of moon and ray of star in frosty heavens shivering. Her mantle glinted in the moon, as on a hilltop high and far she danced, and at her feet was strewn a mist of silver quivering. When winter passed, she came again, and her song released the sudden spring, like rising lark and falling rain and melting water bubbling. He saw the elven flowers spring about her feet and heal again. He longed by her to dance and sing on the grass untroubling. Again she fled, but swift he came, Tinuviel, Tinuviel, he called her by her elvish name. 
and there she halted, listening. One moment stood she, and a spell his voice laid on her. Beren came, and doom fell on Tinuviel, that in his arms lay glistening. As Beren looked into her eyes within the shadow of her hair, the trembling starlight of the skies, he saw their mirrored shimmering. Tinuviel the elven fair, immortal maiden, elven wise, about him cast her shadowy hair, and arms like silver glimmering. Long was the way that fate them bore o'er stony mountains cold and grey, through halls of iron and darkling door and woods of nightshade morrowless. The sundering seas between them lay, and yet at last they met once more. And long ago they passed away in the forest singing sorrowless. fitting I think for National Poetry Month that is a song that they wrote uh, Ro the archeress from Escondido now in Ramona uh, she and I met at the Renaissance Fair down in Felicita Park which is coming up in just about a month or so amazing place to go hang out for the weekend enjoy some sunshine fresh air green trees fun uh, costuming and the parade of the queen and lots of interesting music and uh, spoken word dramatizations brother was there with the bagpipes and the didgeridoo and that song is called a thousand ways and the lyrics are taken from ruby the um ancient poet, which uh, we will be hearing a little more from. I'm not sure today, because I have some other men and women to share uh, with you in the hopes, my hope is, here on What Would Arwen Do, to inspire you to mm, visit, be immersed in, enjoy, learn how to enjoy poetry. Now, some people say, I don't know, I just, you know, poetry is just not my thing. Well, if you like to listen to music, and especially music that has uh, lyrics, then you actually do like poetry, because many uh, songs are simply poems put to music. And um, a lot of times we just don't know how to read a poem in order to enjoy it. And many years ago, I came across an amazing book called How to Read a Poem and Fall in Love with Poetry by Edward Hirsch. And at the time, it turned out that Edward Hirsch was actually coming here to UCI as a speaker um, here on campus as part of the Distinguished Speaker Series. And I got to interview him and meet him and his uh, lovely, beloved companion, and uh, she was lovely too, and it was, it was just a grand time, but 
I love this book. He also has several books of poetry. And I'm going to read a little bit from his book, How to Read a Poem. Hopefully, perhaps it may inspire you to rethink um, your stance on poetry if you think that it's just not for you. And, you know, just try something. So, and then I'm going to play one of his um, song, his poems that he is reading himself. And it's so cool because it is about a cat. And being a cat lover, um, I just think it's amazing. So here is what he says from his book, How to Read a Poem and Fall in Love with Poetry. In this book, this is not at the very beginning, but this is from the preface, so I have a few little places blocked. He says, in this book, I'd like to make poems as available and accessible as passionate and disturbing as I feel them to be. Poetry is a form of necessary speech. People who care about it know that poems have magical potency. But now there are many people who have become so estranged from the devices and techniques of poetry, from poetic thinking, that they no longer recognize what they are reading. Reading poetry is endangered, I suppose, because reading itself is endangered in our culture now. And um, he goes on to say, The nature of the poems I write about in this book has certainly affected the way in which I write about them. I have tried to be as clear as possible to sound what James Wright calls, quote, the pure, clear word, but I have also tried to give my prose the wings that poetry deserves. I have sought to restore the aura of sacred practice that accompanies true poetic creation, to honor both the rational and the irrational elements in poetry. I would restore the burden of the mystery. I would illuminate an experience that takes us to the very heart of being. He goes on to say, imagine you have gone down to the shore and there amidst the other debris, the seaweed and rotten wood, the crushed cans and dead fish, you find an unlikely looking bottle from the past. You bring it home and discover a message inside. This letter, so strange and disturbing, seems to have been making its way towards someone for a long time. And now that someone turns out to be you. The great Russian poet, Osip Mandelstam, destroyed in a Stalinist camp, identified this experience. Quote, why shouldn't the poet turn to his friends, to those who are naturally close to him, he asked in On the Addressee. But of course, those friends aren't necessarily the people around him in daily life. They may be the friends he only hopes exist or will exist, the ones his words are seeking. Mandelstam wrote, At a critical moment, a seafarer tosses a sealed bottle into the ocean waves, containing his name and a message detailing his fate. Wandering along the dunes many years later, I happen upon it in the sand. I read the message, note the date, the last will and testament of one who has passed on. I have the right to do so. I have not opened someone else's mail. The message in the bottle was addressed to its finder. I found it. That means I have become its secret addressee. 
And Edward writes, Thus it is for all of us who read poems, who become the secret addressees of literary texts. I am at home in the middle of the night and suddenly hear myself being called, as if by name. I go over and take down the book, The Message in the Bottle, because tonight I am its recipient, its posterity, its heartland. And I don't know about you, but that has happened to me many times when I have um, just my books that are all around me and I'll be kind of tossed here and there with my thoughts or dreams or something and I'll lean over, pick up a book and ah, oh, there's a message to either calm me or inspire me or something, warn me and uh it's amazing. Books are amazing things, and poetry in a very special way. Edward writes, poetry is a way of inscribing that feeling of awe. I don't think we should underestimate the capacity for tenderness that poetry opens within us. And then he ends with, let's see, I, I won't read all about this. It's about the lyric poem. But he said, um, no, we're going to go straight to the... I'm going to let you think about that. We're going to go straight to the poetry. First, we will hear Edward Hirsch with Wild Gratitude, one of his own poems. And then we're going to hear a poem by Leonard Cohen, which is being sung by an amazing woman. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that afterwards. So here is Edward Hirsch with Wild Gratitude on KUCI. 88.9 FM in Irvine. Wild gratitude. Tonight when I knelt down next to our cat Zoe and put my fingers into her clean cat's mouth and rubbed her swollen belly that will never know kittens and watched her wriggle onto her side pawing the air and listened to her solemn little squeals of delight, I was thinking about the poet Christopher Smart who wanted to kneel down and pray without ceasing in every one of the splintered London streets and was locked away in the madhouse at St. Luke's with his sad religious mania and his wild gratitude and his grave prayers for the other lunatics and his great love for his speckled cat, Jeffrey. All day today, August 13, 1983, I remembered how Christopher Smart blessed this same day in August, 1759, for its calm bravery and ordinary good conscience. This was the day that he blessed the Postmaster General and all conveyancers of letters for their warm humanity, and the gardeners for their private benevolence and intricate knowledge of the language of flowers, and the milkmen for their universal human kindness. This morning I understood that he loved to hear, as I have heard, the soft clink of milk bottles on the rickety stairs in the early morning, and how terrible it must have seemed when even this small pleasure was denied him. But it wasn't until tonight when I knelt down and slipped my hand into Zoe's waggling mouth that I remembered how he'd called Geoffrey the servant of the living God, duly and daily serving him, and for the first time understood what it meant. Because it wasn't until I saw my own cat whine and roll over on her fluffy back 
that I realized how gratefully he had watched Jeffrey fetch and carry his wooden cork across the grass in the wet garden, patiently jumping over a high stick, calmly sharpening his claws on the wood pile, rubbing his nose against the nose of another cat, stretching or slowly stalking his traditional enemy, the mouse, a rodent, a creature of great personal valor, and then dallying so much that his enemy escaped. And only then did I understand it is Jeffrey and every creature like him who can teach us how to praise, purring in their own language, wreathing themselves in the living fire. me to your beauty with a burning violin dance me through the panic till I'm gathered safely in lift me like an olive branch be my homeward dove dance me to the end of and this is KCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I am Tani Tanuviel, the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf. And oh my gosh, our time is just about up. And I haven't even gotten to so much of the poetry that I wanted to share with you, especially from the women from an amazing book called, um, I think it's uh, Women in Praise of the Sacred. But we will hear some of that next week. And... Because we'll be doing a second show. I will not actually be here next week. It will be a pre-recorded show by yours truly. But I'm going to be down in Ramona with the um, Shield Maiden Row. We're going to be pulling some arrows, shooting some bows and arrows, and doing some yoga out in the fresh air and sunshine, and working on our art and our poetry, and having a grand time. So, and maybe taking some pictures with swords. (laughs) The last song we heard was Madeline Perrault, Dance Me to the End of Love, which is a poem by Leonard Cohen. And this was, I apologize for the kind of scratchiness of that. That was, when I listened to it, I didn't catch that, but it came seemed to come across the air. But that was from a recording made at KCRW in uh, February of 2005. And I love Leonard Cohen. We'll be hearing a little more from him. And if you would like to contact me, I'd love to hear from you at askanelf, A-S-K-A-N-E-L-F, askanelf at yahoo.com. And I want to say thank you very much for the um, gentleman who called in to say he was uh, fired up, as he put it, fired up about poetry. Yes, I'm so happy. And I was so excited, forgot to ask his name, but thank you for listening and for calling in. And if even one person can be inspired by my presence here, then I feel that I have done my job. So coming up in just a few moments, writers on writing everything you might want to know about how to get published. 
A little reminder that if you tune into our podcast, the music will be edited out other than about the first maybe 20 seconds because uh, we have to do that for podcast shows. But I will, you can always look the, show, the music up in uh, iTunes or at your store because I will tell you the name of it. I'm not sure where you would get that little uh, song by Madeline Perot. I got it at the used bookstore over at the library, my favorite favorite bookstore. But as I mentioned before, a couple of announcements that I think are pretty important. One is, in case you were UCI student, staff, or faculty, and you thought that you or someone you know might be involved in getting involved with college radio, we have a training coming up next Tuesday night, Tuesday, April 7th, beginning at 7 p.m. in HICF 100 in. Those are the trailers that are right next to KUCI here, which we're right next to the science laboratory uh, or science building. Anyway, I get mixed up on details sometimes. I don't know. It comes from spending too much time in starlight, I think. Anyway, the you can contact us by um, at training at KUCI.org. And um, if community members, oh, this training, it looks like, may be open to community members. We only do that usually once a year. and uh, But you'll need to contact advisor at KUCI.org to um, apply for enrollment. So open to community members on approval this coming quarter. So that's pretty exciting news. But also, it's always open to all UCI students faculty and staff. And my other announcement that I feel is very important, I found the information on my dear new friends that I just met before I came in, the hosts of Way Type of Way Tunes, which is on Wednesday mornings now before What Would Arwen Do with DJ Brandon and DJ Katrina. They used to be on Fridays from 4 to 6 a.m. in a safe harbor slot. Now they're here Wednesdays from 6 to, 6 to 8 a.m., and just to mention also, it, this week started a new quarter, therefore new programming. So some shows may have gotten shifted around. New shows come. Other shows sometimes leave. So if you're looking for a show, don't despair, but maybe check out our full list of programming uh, on our website at KUCI.org. And the ASUCI elections week are coming up. Week three is elections. Brandon Daryani for at-large representative and Katrina Vergara for ICS representative, um, which is information and computer science. They're both running. Take a listen to them. See if you like who they are and what they represent and exercise your uh, right and responsibility to have people speaking for you that you feel confident in. So with that, we're coming right up to the next hour. And as I mentioned, writers on writing is coming up. I don't know who they have. It's Barbara DeMarco Barrett and co-hosts. And sometimes it's agents, sometimes it's writers, sometimes it's um, publishers, but always inspiring things. And I believe you can find out more information and listen to podcasts at penonfire.org or um. I'm sorry, it might be .com, Pen on Fire. That's Barbara DeMarco Barrett's wonderful book on creative writing. She also is a teacher of creative writing 
in the extension courses here at UCI. So as I promised earlier, I want to leave you, oh, lest I forget, this is very important because I promised myself and God that I would mention, please say a prayer and continue to keep in your thoughts the kidnapped Nigerian girls, 140 girls that are still missing. It'll be almost a year coming up very soon. And I have a list of their names. We'll, we'll actually be doing a little segment here on What Would Arwen Do about that um, on a weekly basis of just not forgetting those who are far away and in distress. But please say a prayer or give thoughts or something to those girls who are estranged from their families and abducted and any children everywhere, anywhere, who may be estranged from their parents. So I'm going to play for you the other remix of music from Lord of the Rings. This from the Fellowship of the Ring. And again, this is by Chetrio. And please stay with us. It has been wonderful being with you. Elin Sela Lumen Amentielvo, A Star Shines on the Hour of Our Meeting. Please come back next week for more about the month of poetry and what it has to offer you in your creative life. This is KUCI in Irvine.